Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love towards us. Thank you for your grace. Um, thank you for everybody here. Lord, you know each and every single one of us. You know how we came this through this week. You know about what's going on in our lives. You know every single area. We just pray that you would speak to us where we are. Um, we thank you that you meet us exactly as we are, that you receive us as we are. But we thank you that you don't intend on leaving us that way, that you will walk with us through any hurt we face, anything that we're going through, any baggage we have, Lord. We just pray that today would be a day where we would just hear from you and that would um, just breathe fresh air into our lungs and that we will face this week full of your joy to strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the series we're doing is um, Just We Jesus, hence I'm modelling the merchandise, uh, Just We Jesus. Um, no, I am not Jesus. I've already had that work this week. I wore it to work on Monday. I thought this, t- this jump is awesome. It's a great idea. Um, loads of non-Christians I work with and stuff had some fantastic conversation with me. They were like, oh, cool, explain that to me. I don't get it. And I was talking about like the whole Charlie Hebdo. Offensive cartoon gets drawn. 12 guys get killed. Jesus made eight I am statements that were really offensive. Got him killed. So we're looking at the eight statements that he did that ended up with him being crucified. And so I was showing that, like, oh, that's really interesting. We started to discuss some of those statements, what they look like and that, and it was a really good conversation. But then there's always one Christian um, that is more like a Dementor in Harry Potter, where this guy just comes up to me and just tried to suck the life out of me. He was just like, but you're not Jesus, are you? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, no, I'm not, but my whole identity's found in him. Yeah, but you're not Jesus. That's heresy. And I'm just like, mate, like, you know, come on now. Like, yeah, cool, whatever. And so I was explaining to him the series, the eight I am statements. Other people were like, oh, the eight I am statements. Yes, we Jesus. That's clever. That's brilliant. And then he was still like, yes, but you're not Jesus. That is heresy. I'm not happy about that. And I was like, great, don't wear the jumper then. Uh, and he was like, yeah, but I still don't think it's right. Fantastic. You don't come to my church. You don't wear the jumper. Move on with your life. Have lunch. Eat, drink, be merry. Don't drink and be merry. You'll probably kill me for that as well. So, yeah, I had a great introduction to the first um, day of wearing the jumper. It does spark controversy. That was fun. Um, This week is week three in the series, and actually, as we kind of um, go through this particular week, we actually end up starting with the statement we left off last week, because it's actually from the second just we statement of Jesus that this whole argument kicks off that ends up with him dropping a third. (laughs) And without the second, it doesn't really make any sense. So we're going to go through the discourse. Then we're going to see some of the underlying tones, some of the politics, some of the issues within their culture and their society. And then we're going to see what it actually says about us. Because sometimes when we look at the scriptures, we see them as being thousands of years old and they're not talking about today. And they totes are. So in John 8 verse 12, which is where we're going to start from. And Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. That's what we looked at last week. Just be the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered saying, even if I do bear testimony about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to your flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written, in your law, cheese, it is written, he is the law, he's like Judge Dredd. In your law, 
What is written is testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Um, also translated literally in the Greek as, who's your daddy? Jesus answered, you know, <laughs> that, that bumped hard. <laughs> you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know also my father. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Will he kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come, they said. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, for unless you believe that I am he, which literally translates, unless you believe that I am, um, you would die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the very beginning. I have much to say about you, much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the son of man, you will know that I am he and that I do nothing from my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So at this point, he's talking this, this ideology, this way of life that's totally different to how they see things. Public opinion is turning. The crowd are like, wow, this, we have not heard this before. This is totally different. This is totally new to us. They're starting to put their trust in him. So when Jesus said this to them, he realizes that the crowd is swaying. He can feel it in the air. He says, so, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide, if you live in my words, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's kids, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. They're shots fired. Hashtag shots fired. They're saying like, we know about you, this carpenter. We know about you. And, and Mary, we know they weren't married, and so shots fired. They're trying to discredit him. The public opinion is turning, so they think if they can do a, uh, a sexual immorality smear campaign, like they do in the American elections, boom, this guy's, this guy's gone, we have no problem. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. I came from God and I'm here. I have not come of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you understand what, why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and it does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own nature, his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever 
whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. He is judged. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus said to him, now that, no, Jesus said to the, um, the Jews said to him, sorry, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died as the prophets did. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. If my father who glorifies it is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not fifty years old and have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. When we look at everything that happens, it all happens because he makes that original Jesuit statement. He says, I am the light of the world. It raised the question of authenticity as his testimony is about himself. Everyone else was a commentator who would commentate as a rabbi on the past traditions of past people that engaged with God or on his law and his instruction. Jesus talks about himself. That freaks them out. That makes them a bit worried. Um, in their culture, what happened is for a new rabbi to come up, you would have two other rabbis put their hand, one on each shoulder, and they would testify that he knew the word that he knew what he was talking about and he would be officiated as a teacher. They're saying, well, who the heck has testified about you, mate? And he goes, well, actually, I've testified about me and my father testified about me. More legitimately than that, in the... Earlier on in the story, we see this engagement with John the Baptist when he baptizes Jesus. The Spirit of God hovers down on him like a dove. And then the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was kind of like symbolic in their culture, in their system of God testifying of who Jesus was. That he was kind of released kind of out and to do this ministry. Jesus points to his Father being his testimony. That his identity is found in him. That both he and his Father testify to who he is. So their question is, where is your Father? So they go through all this back and forth and then Jesus starts to win over the public opinion. They start to put their trust in him. They start a smear campaign about sexual morality. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't even blink. But then later on in verse 48 is where something really, really interesting happens that I want to really focus on for today. In verse 48, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now, I find this fascinating. I find this fascinating because he disagrees with the demon statement and he doesn't distance himself from the Samaritan statement, which I find huge because he has a lot to gain in making a comment about the Samaritan statement. He has a lot to gain. If he distances himself from being what they've labeled him as, as being a Samaritan, if he distances himself from that statement, he will win a lot of public opinion. The Samaritan issue is a huge issue. It's an ancient issue. And actually, it's, it's a racism issue. And racism is not new. This issue of racism in this passage, the Samaritans, goes back to 722 BC. This is a situation that is now, at this time, 752 years old. Because the king of Assyria settled some people from different nations in, in Samaria 
And from that point, some of the Jews started over time to intermarry with them. Now, the Jews were trying to keep themselves as one people and they weren't to accept any other cultures. And so they were kind of set apart. Now, the Samaritans were so strongly alienated, they had to have their own Pentateuch. They weren't allowed to engage, even though it's the same set of books as the other, they had to have their own separate one. They were not allowed to worship at the temple. They had their temple on a different mountain. That's why when Jesus meets the woman of Samaria in John 4, she's talking about where do you worship, at the temple or on the mountain? And they have this discussion. Because for them, they were excluded and they were cut off. Now, when Jesus speaks to her, he says things like you people. He says like you, and it's plural. And so some commentators have said when they looked at that passage, they've said, he said your to distinguish and separate themselves from the Jews because salvation comes from the Jews. And so that the Jews are the main thing and they're separate. That's how the commentators see it. I think the commentators are smoking crack because what happens in this passage is he says to the Jews, your scripture. So he separates himself from the Jews. Now Jew means one who gives glory to God. Jesus isn't a Jew. Jesus is the only Jew. He's the only one who gives glory to God. And so when he speaks to the Samaritan, he speaks to them in their situation and draws them to God. When he speaks to the Jew, he speaks to them in their situation and draws them to God. And in this passage, if Jesus were a man who seeks political power, influence, or the public opinion polls, or election, or anything like that, he would just hammer the Samaritan argument and join with the rest of the crowd and just start bashing in how I am definitely not a Samaritan by no means. But he ignores it entirely. He's been making a statement he's from another world and instead of taking the picture he takes, they want to label him as a Samaritan. They want to see him as mixed race. They want to see him as something that they don't want to engage with. You know, fighting in Jesus' time in, in, in the first century after um, Christ, there was a civil war in Israel between the Israelites and the, and the Samaritans and it got so bad the Romans sent soldiers to pacify it. And when they pacify it, that means send people in just to crucify anyone they suspect of an act of terrorism. So they would go in and just crucify everyone and then they would call that bringing peace to the region. That's how the Romans brought peace, which is why when Jesus said, I give you peace and not as this world, he was talking about a very different kingdom, something that was really powerful and really worthwhile. But when we look at, at this, we, we see something huge. We see this, this, this racial separation to the point where it was kind of like apartheid. And it's kind of like, it's almost like also in America when you used to have different bus seats. They would not share a cup with someone. Or like the Dalits in, in India, they would not share a cup with a Samaritan. You would not share a cup. So when they label this accusation towards Jesus, the fact that he doesn't even take the time of day to engage with it on any level, but carries on talking in the way that he does, he could lose the crowd that were around him, but he would not alienate anyone for the sake of public opinion. And when I look at Jesus in this passage, I think it's amazing. And the reason I think it's amazing is because he actually talks about the key issue. And the key issue is who your father is. Because when he's talking about you're of your father the devil, you can see it in them. Because their agenda is, well, if you were born outside of sexual immorality, you're a write-off for us. Well, Jesus wasn't born out of sexual immorality. But even if he, 
he, I mean, he's not son of God, totally without sin. But just because someone is, who cares? Who cares? That is the father of the devil that would speak like that about someone. But the father in heaven would go, man, I just adopt these kids into my family. I just take them in and they're mine. And I bring them in and I identify with them. Totally different because he's of the father. And then when it comes to, they've done a sexual smear campaign, then they want to do a racial one, an immigration one. And in our current climate, the way people talk about immigrants, the way people talk about those in need who are broken around the world. And we want to, we want to give this smear campaign and just target and blame the oppressed for what is happening and blaming the oppressed for economic situations is disgusting. And it's of the father, the devil. Because Jesus, when he's offered that opportunity to just continue to kick in on a broken people who are separated, there were Jews in Samaria who had never intermarried and they were treated as if they were Jews who had intermarried. Even though they had still kept that, they were seen as engaging with a culture that wasn't their culture and they were shunned and cut off as if they were that and their voice was quietened and they were completely irrelevant. But Jesus doesn't want to distinguish and to push them away. And what I love most about the entire passage is he's talking about being of his father, being of his father because his father is the light of the world. It brings hope. It brings people out of darkness into light. It engages with all. It loves all. It conquers all. It brings peace where there is no peace. And at the end of the passage where they really want to kill him is what he does is he transcends their world view their worldview is father Abraham and he says before Abraham I am he says before even the concept of your lineage and your genealogy and everything in your worldview is built out of that limited position before it I am and before it I was there and before it this is here so he transcends past it why does he transcend past Abraham that the blinkers of just this people group that the blinkers of just this worldview is the entirety of the worldview he broadens it to something bigger that God is the father of all that before even Abraham before his people his lineage his descendants he says to them you are kids of Abraham you are his offspring but he goes I don't see your dad in you I don't see his attitude he rejoiced in my day he rejoiced in trusting God he rejoiced in the freedom that it brings but you guys you guys remind me of something else oh I know where I've seen you I've seen you in that murderous lying snake I've seen you in Satan who is the father of lies who is the origin of death and decay that's where I've seen you guys before that's what he speaks about and I think it's so important in our day and age that if we're to look at the world around us, if we're to look at culture, if we look at the messages we're hearing, we need to be asking the question about the messages we hear each and every day in the news as we read. The question, who is the father of this story? Who is the father of this way of life? Is it of my father or is it of the father of the devil? Is this going to be something that if I jump on this bandwagon, I'm going to become a part of the problem? Or if I jump on the bandwagon here, am I a part of the solution? Am I a part of the restoration, the reconciliation, the redemption of all things? Because that is what Jesus is about. That is what the Father is about. And that is what this story ultimately is about. So when Jesus makes this statement before Abraham, before Abraham, I am, he's transcending past an entire worldview beyond it all, to something that reaches and incorporates all people, which is why Paul ends up being um, an apostle, being one who's sent to the Gentiles, because the picture was much bigger and broader than they ever understood it. But God became flesh and blood. 
Jesus saw us in our situation. And Philippians, Paul writes, he was in the form of God, but did not regard equality with God, being like him, something to keep hold of, but he let go. He became flesh and blood like you and I because he saw our story, he saw our pain, he saw our hurt. He entered into our world that he could meet with us, that he could bring us freedom, and that he could walk with us through all the pains and the hurts that we have. God is not distant, God is not far away. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this morning, I want us to be asking the questions of how we live. Who is my father in this area of my life? I've been living this way. And when I look in the mirror and I analyze who I am, what do I see? Which father is there? And if so, whatever the answer is, is that who I want to be father of my life? If not, it's time for a change. It's time to switch. It's time to fix up. It's time to turn away. It's time to embrace something new. I'm just going to pray for us. And um, that will literally be it for the, for the, the talk today. Um, Father, I thank you that you sent your son with such bold statements. I thank you that he didn't look at the prejudice of others and just jump in for getting the most powerful position that he could be heard the most. He had integrity to the message above all other things. That even though it would have been so helpful... For him to write off and marginalize the group that had been marginalized for over 752 years. He instead spoke as one who embraces all. And he spoke with integrity and love. May we speak this week with integrity and love. May we embrace the vulnerable within our communities. May we embrace the very people we see before us this week. You have commanded us to love you with all that we are. You have commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our neighbor is the person you place in front of us at any given moment. May we this week see the needs of those in front of us. May we not close our ears to them for convenience and for popularity, but may we hear the cries of those marginalized around us that we will meet that are in desperate need of your love, your attention, our love, our attention. Be with us this week. May we be a part of the transformation that you want to bring. May we be a part of the reconciliation and redemption of all things around us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.